Podcasting from Hartford, you're listening to the Connecticut Scoreboard Podcast, your place for all things Connecticut sports. And here is your host, Jared Cutler. We've got UConn Xavier coming up on, on Sunday, but I think that's going to be kind of the, uh, I don't know, the it's the entree of the day, but we've got a big, big event coming up on Sunday. And there's one guy who I think is great to take us through the 2004 championship team, and that's Joe D. So Joe, welcome back to the podcast. Jared, good to see you. Hope all is well. Yeah, all is going well. Uh, whenever UConn basketball is doing well, I'm doing well. So uh, a lot uh, of people think that. <laughs> so I, I wanted to have you on this Sunday. Uh, they're going to be honoring the 2004 championship team. We've already seen Xavier play uh, UConn, so we don't need a preview uh, of the game itself. But let's talk a little bit about that that 04 team because it, it's such a I think a special one in, in UConn history, and I know you're able to be a part of it. So. I'll start with this. I'm curious from your time broadcasting, I'm sure you start to pick up as you do more and more of these games that, hey, like this team is really good and has the chance to do something special. As that season's going along, when was that moment that hit you where it's like, you know what, this team might be able to do do some big things? Well, actually, to be honest with you, Jay, it started before the year began. Because in 2002, when Emeka Okafor and Ben Gordon were freshmen into League Brown was a sophomore, they reached the Elite Eight, and there was only one team in the country who could beat them. That's the team they played up in Syracuse. That was Maryland yeah. going on to win the title. Then in 03, they had a really good team. They had added Shad and, and a Denim, uh, and they had to go to San Antonio to play Texas. That seemed fair, but that happened to you kind of a lot back in those days. Uh, and they lost a hard-fought game in, in Texas. So b- before the year began, there was a real sense of anticipation that this could be something special. Emeka and Ben were were two of the best players in the country. Uh, Talik was a four-year starting point guard. Um, Rashad Anderson and Denim Brown had gotten experience. They had brought in some really good freshmen, Josh Boone, Charlie Villanueva, who wasn't eligible the first six games. NCAA was uh, looking into his eligibility. A lot of people forget Marcus Williams was a freshman that year, played half the season as as a backup guard, and then couldn't play anymore because of grades. So, so they, they had a pretty deep team. Um, and, and I think I thought from the beginning of the year, Jared, they could be something special. And it was just a, a matter of, of seeing all the pieces come together and mature. So as, as you go through that season, obviously the, the first game that really sticks out to people as uh, you know, as a big moment that season is that first game they had against Georgia tech in, in November. I mean, if we were, if that game happened in today's Twitter world, I'm sure everyone would have been in panic mode at, at that time. But what was the what was the sense around the team at that time going into you know that game and then coming out of it, um, listen, you know, relatively handily to that Georgia Tech team in that matchup? Well, Mecca was hurt. Mecca spent much of that year dealing with back issues. He was not at full strength in that game. Georgia Tech played extremely well. And they kind of cut the pie a little bit. They had some stuff to say afterwards. And I think UConn, I think UConn, now we say they took receipts. <laughs> I think UConn took took some receipts. The next game, UConn punished Utah. Yeah. I think they took out their anger on the Utes. Um, I, yeah, you're right. If it, this, if, if that had happened in the Twitterverse, uh, I think of a lot of our UConn Twitter friends uh, would have lost their collective minds. <laughs> but at the time, it was an early season game. Um, things happen, and I, I don't think the team, I, I know the coaching staff 
And I don't think the team felt any sense of panic. They thought, hey, we lost. We'll get better for this. Yeah, I mean, the team clearly got better after that loss as they really rattle off, you know, some some big wins heading in, into Big East play. Um, for those who are a little younger like me, take us through what the Big East was like back in 04 because it's very different than it was right now. Well, it was it was an absolute bear. You had Syracuse, you had Pittsburgh, you had Notre Dame, you had West Virginia, you had Miami, who who could come up and, and beat you. Um, you know, you you had you know Seton Hall, St. John's were not that that big of a deal, but you had Providence, which was a which was the arch enemy. Yeah. You know that that was a big the big rivalry as a, as it sort of is now to a degree, I guess. But the Big East was was a beast. I mean, you know, you didn't have to schedule a, a stupid hard non-conference schedule because you because you knew in the Big East you'd be going to war. Now UConn UConn did play a good non-conference schedule. They played uh, the preseason NIT. Yeah, they played at North Carolina and lost eighty six eighty three. Mecca was unbelievable. That game had twenty nine points and I think he had ten rebounds. They beat a good Oklahoma team. And then they got into the into the brunt of the of the Big East schedule, and and they did really well in the Big East. Um, they lost back to back road games in early February to uh, Notre Dame in Pittsburgh, and their and their ranking dropped. They had been number one in the country, and then they lost their last regular season Big East game at Syracuse, lost the conference regular season title to Pitt, who they had split the previous two years with in the Big East final, and dra- dropped to ninth in the country. Which was kind of humorous. Yeah, you, you talk about how do you think the team regrouped after that final loss of the year uh, of the regular season at Syracuse? Because you look at that, and then it, it's like ancient history by the time you look at you know early April and what they were able to rattle off after that loss. Well, it's kind of like it's kind of like 2011 and 2014, same thing, yeah. right? I mean, in that in that scenario, um, I think they I think they still knew how good they were. I think all the pieces had fit together. I mean, a mecca. Should have been player of the year. Jameer Nelson got it. That was nice. Yeah. Um, ben was an All-American guard. You know, Talik was setting school records for assists. Yeah. Josh Boone had developed and was a terrific contributor as a freshman. Charlie Villanueva was a huge uh, bonus coming off the bench. You had Hilton Armstrong coming off the bench. You had Richard as, as the gunslinger. You had Denham as the steady guy. Uh, Shaman Tools was a glue guy off the bench for seven or eight minutes a night. So I, I think even though they lost that game to Syracuse and, and they fell out of the um, Big East Championship and they also got dropped to second in the West Regional behind Stanford, um, I don't I don't think they were – I think the only thing they were concerned about, Jared, was Mecca's health. Yeah. When you, you kind of break down the roster like you did, I feel like on every championship team there's always that guy that's a little underrated. He's the glue guy that, you know, kind of gets all those little things done that – you know, you might not think about in terms of like, hey, you know, he's the reason why they won the championship. But at the end of the day, he is one of the reasons why they won, because he's able to do all those little things. When you look at this team, who, who do you view in that in that role? Talik, because for four years, everybody questioned whether you could win with Talik Brown as your point guard. Kind of like it was last year with Tristan. You know, everybody wondered, was Tristan good enough to be the point guard of a national championship team? And you know, people wanted wanted me to ask Jim every pregame interview. Oh, can you? Is Talik going to start? Can you win with Talik? And I knew what his answer was going to be. So I, it's not like when I ask him, I'm going to ask him a question 
that, that I know what the answer is going to be. He put the, he gave Talik the keys to the car. And when they played really well, Talik had really good games. It freed Benno from, from point guard duties. Now, as I said, Marcus Williams was the backup point guard for the first 16 games. And then academics cost him the rest of the season. So Ben would play, Ben would play point guard um, as a, as a, as a, you know, when Talik needed a blow and stuff, but I think it was Talik. I mean, Denham Brown was, was, a, was a quiet, dependable guy who started, I think 27 out of 39 games. Richard started the rest of the time. And I, to be honest with you, another guy was Josh Boone came in a little unheralded um, and knew his role. What, what he did that was, that was great. Jared was, was, he he did what he was capable of doing, banging bodies, playing defense, getting offensive rebounds. And I think that was I think I think it was Talik and I think Josh were the two guys who who maybe didn't get the publicity, obviously, that Mech and, and Ben did or even even Richard um, or Charlie Villanueva, who was such a big recruit coming out of New Jersey. But but I think that those two guys solidified this team. So you get to the NCAA tournament, their two seed. They kind of run through the, what, the first four rounds of that tournament before they get due relatively unscathed in, in relatively easy fashion. As you're there on the court calling these games and you see them just kind of blowing teams out. I mean, it's reminiscent of what the team did last year. Are you really yeah. starting to think like, hey, that this team's got it and, uh, you know, they're they're going to be in position to win this thing? I thought that, Jared, after they beat Pittsburgh in the rubber match of their <laughs> Big East Championship Series, because Emeka didn't play the first two games of the Big East Tournament that year. He sat out Notre Dame and Villanova because of the back. He came back and played in the championship game, which was just, you know, back then, and I, I think Coach Early had the app description after the Villanova game. It's knocked down, drag out, beat yeah. the crap out of each other. You know, the officials let teams play for the most part. Yeah. Um, and those Pittsburgh teams, I mean, the Steelers weren't as physical as, as Jamie Dixon, uh, Pittsburgh's teams were. So when they got through the garden and won, I had a pretty good, I had a pretty good sense. They went to Buffalo, um, beat Vermont really easily, beat DePaul, which was a conference USA team really easily. Then they went to Phoenix. Well, they had gone to Phoenix in 99 and things turned out pretty well. And Phoenix is a, you know, I know the Garden is Yukon South. Phoenix is Yukon West, <laughs> as far as the postseason is concerned. And they just blew through Villa, uh, Vanderbilt and Alabama. The Alabama game, it was 53-28 to 28 at halftime. Richard made five threes in the first half, one deeper than the other. And when he hit the when he hit his fifth, <laughs> he kind of did that. And I had never seen him do that before. And I, I think I lost my mind on broadcast. It was so great. And Ben had 36 in that game. So when they got through the the the, the Western Regional, um, I thought, okay, the, the, I thought the national championship game would be UConn and Duke mm -hmm. in the semifinals. Because, I mean, Georgia Tech, UConn, UConn was not going to lose a second time to, to Georgia Tech that year. Um, and the Duke game was the Duke game was epic and was a coaching clinic by by Coach Calhoun. Yeah. Are you able, as you're calling these games, I know you've got a job to do and you're, you're there to tell the, the story of the game and call what's going on, but are you able to appreciate the magnitude of a game like that, especially the one against Duke there, as you're in that kind of battle of a game and really like kind of just soak in the moment a little bit? Oh, absolutely. I, I, 
I was always appreciative, Jared, of being in those in, in those environments. I mean, the 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 first Final Four at Tropicana Field, everybody was killing Tropicana Field. I thought it was the best facility in the world because you got because you kind of won to. And that that Duke game, we were back at the Alamo Dome where there was such disappointment in the loss to Texas the year before. Yeah, um, it's Duke. Uh, they're still one of the dominant programs in the country. You got in Duke, it had such a 15-year back and forth, not playing every year, but playing big games. Um, and then that game, you know, Mecca gets two early fouls, and Jim had a steadfast rule. You got two fouls in the first half, your ass was coming out of the game. And he sat a Mecca on the bench with him for 17 minutes. Coach Krzyzewski, had his big guys get in foul trouble and played them. And Sheldon Williams got a third foul in the first half. And I think Randolph got, got a third foul. But still, UConn was UConn was down uh nine yeah. with three and a half minutes to go, but they played such a great that might have been as good at three and a half minutes of basketball in a clutch situation as a UConn team has played. I'm going to take a quick break from the interview to tell you about my friends at Martin Rosol's Meats. This fourth generation Connecticut family business produces kielbasa, hot dogs, sausages, and deli meats using Martin Rosol's very own original recipes. Their products can be found in grocery stores, delis, restaurants, and hot dog stands throughout the state. And if you're looking for your fill right away, check out their retail store in New Britain. For more information, visit martinrosolsinc.com and go support a Yukon fan-owned business. And now, back to the interview. You you talk about trying to avenge that loss in the Alamo Dome the year before. Now, now you got to avenge the loss to Georgia Tech. And you said you knew they weren't losing to Georgia Tech. What was the mood around the team like heading into that game, knowing they were getting that Georgia Tech team? Then it kind of put a bit of a beating on them uh, earlier that year. Confidence, uh, looking for revenge. Um, you know, I think once they beat Duke, and in the manner that they beat him with Mech hitting that offensive rebound, which was kept alive by Josh. Josh had a tip after Mecca missed a shot. Um, Mecca hit the layup. Duke missed. Mecca eventually hit a free throw, which was not his strong point. Yeah. Um, to make it a four point game, uh, Duke thought that uh, JJ Redick got fouled. Chesky was losing his mind, but you know it depends on your perspective whether it was a foul or not. I, I think UConn. I think UConn was confident in '99 when they beat Duke. And I think in 04, going into Georgia Tech, they were even more confident because they were not going to lose twice in one year to that team. Yeah. When you look at that year, this team, in the job that, that Coach Calhoun did, what are your thoughts on what he was able to put together that year, you know, by leading this group out there? Well, as, as I said, Jared, I think the best thing, and this was done with, 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 with the recruiting, was that it was such a well-put-together team. Um, yeah. You had the, the star in the middle. You had a dominant two guard, a veteran point guard, an athletic four who could bang bodies, uh, interchangeable parts at the three. One guy who was a, 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 a knockdown shooter, the other who was just very smooth. You brought good elements off the bench. You could go nine deep, which they did. You know, Hilton Armstrong was a was the, was the was the fourth forward on that team. And, you know, he ended up having some time in the NBA 
um, and had a great year in 06 when he was a when he was a senior. Um, I just think it was well put together, and I think it's a team that that was on a mission. And I think Jim knew when to ride them, and Jim knew when to pull up on the pull up on the reins. And they had a great staff. George Blaney, who had come from Seton Hall, uh, Tommy Moore was in his first in the duty then, and they had Clyde Vaughn, who who was the big man coach and did such a great job with Mecca and Josh and Charlie and Hilton. I think that was I think that was very important. To, to be able to have him on that staff. He really helped a lot. When you look back at, at this team and you compare it to some of these other championship teams that, that UConn has put out there, where do you rank this team? I would say first. Um, I think last year's team, uh, the, the, the Adama and, and Andre and Jordan uh, and, and uh, Carabang or Caraban or whatever Marie decided on for a name. Um, <laughs> Uh, or Alex decided on for a day. I think la- I think that team was just a little bit better. Now that might be prejudice because I was doing the games back then. <laughs> but I would say 04, because of where you got two guys drafted second and third in the draft. Um, you know, you eventually had other guys. Boone played in the pros. Mark Williams played in the pros. Charlie had a good long pro career. Hilton had a pro career. So you had six NBA players on that team. Um, I think they were. I think they were a little bit better. I think the competition was a lot better. Yeah. I think they had a much tougher road to get to the championship, and that doesn't take anything away from what the '04, from what the '24 team, the '23 team. Uh, they they were that. It was enjoyable sitting back and 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 watching them just just roll over people. It was a, it was a perfect example, Jared, of watching a team peak at the right time. I'm curious because when you've looked at how, and you've been around so many of these UConn teams, it seems like the year after a championship, there was always a little bit of a dip in, in how the, the team performed, not you know quite to the level they had been the previous year. How impressive do you think it is now with this year's UConn team losing the players that they did and really not really missing a lick here? Oh, I think, I think, I think Danny's doing, I think Danny's doing an even better job this year. Yeah. Than he did last year. I mean, you and and you're right. Now the 05 team lost in the second round to, to NC State, which was a horribly disappointing end to the year. Um, 99 team lost in the second round in 2000, but Khalid was hurt. Khalid got got hurt that game. They they lost to Tennessee. I, I think what what they're doing this year, the way that they've restocked, you know, Samson playing. As much as he has, I think Donovan is going to round in form. I think I love watching Alex Garibay play. Mm-hmm. I, I think he's great. You know, Tristan, uh, I I feel for like I did for Talik last year, but now Tristan's established himself. Diara doesn't get the credit that he deserves. Spencer's come in, and he, look, everybody loved Joey Joey Calcaterra, and I love like to watch him play. Cam Spencer's a much better player. Joey Calcaterra is much better, which is not to demean Calcaterra saying how good Spencer is. And and if um you know if if Steph hadn't gotten hurt, it would be stunning to see how good he would be now. The thing I think they have to do is I think they've got to get Stewart, and he seems to be the one. Mm-hmm. They've got to get Jalen Stewart up to speed because you're gonna come in a game, conference play. Big East tournament, NCAA tournament, 
we're going to get into foul trouble. And look, this team fouls. Yeah. I know everybody on Twitter loses their mind okay. saying the officials have screwed them all the time. Well, here's my, here's my point. And I'm not being – this is not being critical of, of, our, of our friends in the Twitterverse, but if you get called for amount of fouls every game, you might be committing those fouls. Right? Yeah. Even you – now, even you, you got to admit, Jared, if they're calling fouls – if a team gets called for 20 fouls a game by different officials, maybe they're committing those fouls. Yeah, just um, maybe. Yeah, just maybe. Just maybe. So I think I think that because I don't think I don't think the other freshmen are, are going to be ready. I don't think Ross and 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 the big kid are going to be able to contribute. So I think it's incumbent to get Jalen Stewart up to speed so he and Ball and Haas and Samson can can be a, can be a good bench because last year the big key was being able to go as deep as they did. Yeah, yeah, they didn't miss a beat when you right. started. Right. Out. You, yeah. you you brought you brought Joey California in and you know he went through that little slump in the middle of the year, but he was he was he was nails yeah. in the beginning of the year and the end of the year. You know, and, and Diara, I love the way Diara plays. I think he's you know, I, I really I really enjoy watching somebody like that. As you've watched, you know, basketball of late and getting to see this Big East the past couple of years that UConn's been back in it and you think back to the Big East you really saw during the heyday how, how similar do you think the Big East still is to what it was back back you know when you're talking these 04 in, in that era type teams not as good I don't, I don't think it's anywhere near as good um you know I you 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 had teams that back then like the teams that I mentioned I, I think they were all talented yeah, they were yeah. all they were all really good. I think, you know, um, Coach McDermott does a real good job with Creighton. Um, Shaka Smart does a real good job with Marquette. But show me something in the NCAA tournament. You know, I I, I think you know Patino's talking a big game at St. John's. We'll see how they're doing. Seton Hall's playing pretty well. Um, I think that's a huge game, last game of the regular season for yeah. the men this year. Um, I, but I don't think. I don't think it's any. I don't think it's as good as the original Big East was. When you when you mentioned Patino there, I know there was always a little bit of a rivalry with with, with him and Coach Calhoun there. A little, a I, little I mean, bit of a rivalry. <laughs> I, I'm being kind. It seems like he's trying to ratchet up the rivalry factor again here with UConn with what he's been talking about with with Dan Hurley not liking coaches going after uh, officials, trying to maybe move that game to Karna second next year. Is it the same Rick Patino you saw back in those days? Yeah, I think it is. Um, I think there's as good a chance that UConn will play in Carneseca as the as it was of the Patriots coming to Hartford back in 1997. Okay, the Big East and Madison Square Garden are not going to let UConn not go to MSG. Yeah. Um, and that's fine. You know, Danny's handled it perfectly. You know, Danny's treated it like a fly in an elephant's butt. You know, he's not taking the bait. He's concerned. And for Patino... For for Patino to to come on and say that he doesn't yell at officials because it's cheating. I mean, does he think he's talking to a bunch of idiots? I mean, seriously, come on, Rick. Let's 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 get realistic here. Just say you don't like Danny. Just say you don't like UConn. That's fine. That's better than saying you don't argue with officials. Uh, and, if I, and, and if I were St. John St. John's fan, Jared, I'd be pissed off if my coach says he doesn't argue with officials. Yeah. Yeah, and, and all anyone has to do is type Rick Pitino referee into into Google, and you can see right. tiny examples of, of it from just last week. So, right, uh, exactly. 
<laughs> I'll wrap with this one for you, Joe. Uh, I, I know you've been out of doing doing the UConn games for a little bit. What, what's it been like now that it's been a few years? You get to kind of sit back. You get to engage with the crazies like us on Twitter and all that all that stuff. Now. That's dangerous. That's <laughs> dangerous. I, I've I've enjoyed it. Um, I had a great run. My 26 years were were great. You know that 04 year was special because I was the only broadcaster ever to do men's and women's national champions in the same year. Yeah. You know, that, that March, that April flying back and forth between San Antonio with the men and New Orleans with the women was something I'll, I'll never forget. Um, you know, I get to four or five games a year. Um, I'm adverse to going to Gamble. Uh, I'd rather just go to the XL center, which is like 10 minutes from where I live. Um, but it's fun watching, you know, I, I try to watch every game. Uh, and, and and stay engaged in it because I still, you know, when you've worked for a school for 26 years and I'm still doing, you know, a lot of a lot of Olympic sports now. Um, and I, I, you know, I always want to see him do well. You know, I have a lot of friends are still there, starting with Wayne, you know, on the on the broadcast and stuff. So, yeah. So I, I, I like watching from afar. But I will admit when they went to the final four last year, that was I probably missed that the most of anything in the five, yeah. six years. That I haven't done, and I missed the biggie. The biggest tournament was was always a lot of fun. Well, lots I, of times, lots of times, more fun after games than during games. <laughs> I can only imagine um, the stories you've got there. We'll, we'll have to have a, another episode of that one, uh, uncensored edition there, and, and get all exactly, the- exactly. Um, I, I, I'll get you out with this one. Uh, Ice bus maybe pulling off a little bit of an upset in Connecticut ice this weekend. Quinnipiac's really good. Quinnipiac's really good, and 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 the issue with with the ice bus this year has been their inconsistency. Yeah, you know, yeah. I'm it's driving. I know it's driving calf crazy. Um, you know, you lose, you play as poorly as you did on Friday night at home. Go up to New Hampshire, which is a rough place to play, and play a terrific game and win two nothing. It's like the main game the week before mm-hmm. the, the two games at the XL. Um, they 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 play a horrific third period against Maine, and then get a shutout the next game. I, I think Connecticut Ice is going to be fun. Don't look past Sacred Heart. Sacred Heart's a pretty good team. Um, they're playing really well in Atlantic hockey. Yale's having a down year, so I would guess it'll be Quinnipiac getting to the finals. And you know, UConn and Sacred Heart will be a pretty even matchup. I hope people turn out. Yeah, I hope people show. I think it's a I think it's a great showcase for the uh, game of hockey and Randy Brochu. And I are really pleased that we're going to be doing all four games on SNY. It's going to be a be a fun weekend at the Excel Center. Two days of hockey. And- I hope so. Yeah. And then Sunday we've got the ceremonies for the for the 04 team. What better place to be than the than the insurance capital of the world? Exactly. Well, Joe, I appreciate you coming on, reliving some memories uh, with us, and, and talking this year's team a little bit. Uh, I appreciate it all. And uh, again, we'll have to have you back on soon. Thanks so much, Jared. You do a great job with this podcast. I, I really enjoy it. Thanks for having me on. I appreciate it. Anytime. Thanks for listening to the Connecticut Scoreboard Podcast with Jared Cutler. If you like the show and want to know more, check out the podcast on Twitter at CT Scoreboard Pod, the host at Jared Cutler, and find us on Facebook at the Connecticut Scoreboard Podcast. Finally, if you enjoy what you're listening to, rate and review us on iTunes. Thanks again for listening.